Hey there, sober family across the globe. Welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast where we're learning to love ourselves more than booze, and we're doing it together. I'm your host, Dana Kroll. I'm a former army chaplain who developed a toxic relationship with alcohol after leaving the military several years ago. Then after inpatient and outpatient recovery and a year of staying sober on my own, I relapsed and descended into a rock bottom. Thankfully, in the depths of despair, I discovered the not-so-secret solution to staying sober, which is finding and contributing to a community. Soon after, I started this podcast as a way to help keep myself accountable and to help others in early sobriety. With me, as always, in the studio is Al K. Hallfree, my spirit animal for sobriety and co-host. And I am thrilled to welcome Kate Taylor, who lives in the UK. She's a wife, a mom, a freelance writer, and she is a poster of some brilliant content on Instagram where her bio name is Loving the Sober Life. By the end of this episode, Kate and I are confident that you're going to gain a greater appreciation and love for the sober life that you have instead of lamenting the drinks that you're leaving behind. So with all that said, Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's so great to have you here. We've got an hour before you have to collect your daughter from school. So maybe we can just start with that relationship because my favorite reel that you posted recently is of you and your daughter singing in the car. And yeah. so it was just such a pure, joyful. Oh, my daughter, she actually said, oh, mommy, can I be on one of your reels? Because they know I do. I mean, I've been really open with my kids and my husband about this journey to sobriety. I kind of had to be because they were there during my journey with drinking. They saw me drinking. Mm. You know, I was a good mum. I don't have a lot of shame surrounding it. One, I've come to terms with it and I've forgiven myself for it. But two, you know, I wasn't the kind of mum who didn't get up in the mornings because I was drinking or didn't turn up for things. I did everything I should have. I drank in the evenings, but they did see me slurring. They saw me blacked out on the sofa some nights, not regularly, but every time we went out with friends for play dates and whatever, I could tell they were thinking, please don't drink too much because you speak funny. And actually, they're one of the driving forces behind me going sober because I started to think, look, they're 13 and 11 now. And I don't want them to think of me drinking when they get older, because once they realize drinking culture and they've got their own decisions to make, they'll think she chose to drink. She didn't have to. You know, I remember once someone asked my daughter, what did you do over the weekend? And she said, we went to the pub and got a taxi home. And I said, did you say that in front of your class? Because obviously it means I I drank so much, I couldn't drive home. And she went, yeah, she didn't realise. And I thought that's so embarrassing, but it's totally true. And one of the words that 95% of people who know me would associate with me is drink, because I was always drinking every evening and every reason. And if they think that, that's fine. But if my kids think that, I'm always telling them they're the most important things in my life. And that can't be true if I'm choosing to drink. It just doesn't add up. So I had to eliminate it. So she said, can I be in one of your videos? And we were driving to cricket, which I wouldn't normally have done. But my husband couldn't do it. And it was really early in the morning. And I was so, you know, full of life. And we just had the music on. I said, why don't we just film ourselves now? Because it's nice just for us to remember this journey. It's a really nice trip. And so we did. I just took a clip of it just to show the difference between hungover me in the morning, kind of begrudgingly getting up and being hungover, probably over the limit at that time in the morning, if I'd been drinking the night before as well. You know, I never really thought about that. One of my friends said the police were at the school gates where she lives just outside London. 
breathalyzing parents because there had been so many complaints about mum's drinking that the police turned up and did a random breathalyzer, which I didn't even know they did that sort of thing. But she said a couple of people were over the limit and it was really scary. And it's things like that, really. I've just eliminated all of that out of my life. My kids know they can rely on me. They know that if they wake up at two in the morning and something's wrong, I can get in the car and take them to hospital. They know that they don't have to sort of bring me toast in the morning because I can't get out of bed until I've had something to eat and these paracetamol are kicking in. And it's just, it's the difference between waking up and feeling guilty when I see their faces every day and waking up and, and being proud of myself and thinking I'm doing my best. Absolutely. I have nothing to be ashamed of. If they aren't happy with me as a mum, that's something I can deal with because it will be something to do with personal decisions and choices rather than a drug dictating what kind of parent I am. Is that a short enough answer for you? That was a perfect answer. In that video, she is, there's just joy on her face. And the, the perspective is that she's closer to the camera than you are. You're in the background driving, but I'm thinking, what a victory for you to have an adolescent daughter who is thrilled to be broadcast on social media versus what you described before, which is, oh gosh, I hope my mom doesn't do this, this or this yeah. in public. And what a juxtaposition and what a difference it's made for you these past seven months that you haven't been drinking. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if I, I was out at a barbecue drinking wine and I said, oh, Anna, come in, let's make a video. It would have been flat. No, no chance. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, it's completely different and they respect me so much. And we talk about it and my kids make little cards for me on my milestones and I share, everyone has their own way of dealing with motherhood. And I'm, I really do believe that this is a kind of journey between you and your kids. I would never tell anyone how to do anything. But for me, I've been very honest. I've told them, oh, I'm a week, I'm a month, this and that, you know, alcohol yeah. wasn't good for me. And that's worked for me. And also they understand it's not something to be ashamed of. And it's something you can choose to do or not to do they've seen me make the decision and my world hasn't crumbled I've, I've become happier and nicer not the opposite so they've now had this experience of a very grown-up issue and they've watched someone they love more than anyone well my husband obviously comes into the equation but you know mm -hmm. they've watched how how much happier I am without alcohol and I hope that's a really good lesson and people always beat themselves up about being a parent and drinking but actually that would never have happened if I hadn't drunk. And there are positives to take from having a history of drinking and coming through it. We can't just make ourselves feel bad about it and guilty. This is something they wouldn't have experienced. And they've seen an adult take responsibility and say it's a drug and it's acceptable, it's legal. I wasn't doing anything wrong, but I'm still better without it. And I hope that will help them when they become adults. Um, and hopefully they'll talk about it and they won't be embarrassed. I mean, she was fine being on a video, so. Yeah, it's yeah. a big win. Uh, I, you know, our oldest is going to turn 15 this month and it's just a, this whole idea that we're in our forties and we have teenagers is I'm what, yeah. what I'm like, what just happened? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more about the drinking though, how you got to the point where in another reel you describe how you were at about 10 bottles of wine a week, you had gotten to a place where you realized that was just way too much. What was it that led you into that path in the first place? Well, 
a lot of people have kind of trauma or something in their past I don't I had a really happy life you know I grew up in a publishing um, family I grew up in a house surrounded by famous authors and writers I wrote an article recently for an online magazine and I said I would be sitting there eating my spaghetti and I'd have Roald Dahl at the table or Doris Lessing or Salman Rushdie and I would just be there slurping away going I hate your books they look ugly I will never read them and that was Salman Rushdie, not Roald Dahl, but maybe <laughs> like arcade. But I sat there and I absorbed the most amazing conversations in this beautiful house. I've got three siblings. We're all a year apart. It was like a TV show. It was wow. full all the time. But there was one thing that was always there and it was alcohol. All of the adults, well, not all of them. I'm sure a few didn't drink. But from my height, everyone always had a gin and tonic in their hand before dinner they drank wine at dinner and then they drank whiskey after dinner and alcohol for me was what adults did and then I obviously wanted to be like these adults because I thought they were amazing so as soon as I was old enough I'm like that's what they do that's what sophisticated cool adults do they drink so I started drinking beer in the parks with my friends I was always very tall I looked much older than I was so I remember celebrating my birthday at the legal age for when you're allowed to drink in the pub that I've been going to for years and saying I won't be coming back because now I can actually go into the centre of London and drink and they went what do you mean you won't be back I said well I'm legal now and they're like Kate you've been coming here for years and I went I know and they're like god what but so I just started drinking socially it's what we all did we'd buy cans of beer go to the park sit there drink them and then go home and then when I started working I'd start going to pubs at lunchtime I worked in media everyone would just go to the pub at lunch and then it went on to wine bars it became more sophisticated I worked in one company where they actually had a tab at the local pub because it was I was in a creative department and I think they thought when these guys get a bit drunk they come up with the most wacky ideas ah. they put a tab on so all day we could just go instead of being in the office go to the pub and drink for free that's kind of like poisoning your staff. Wow. Yeah, money, isn't it? Really? Yeah. But I thought it was the coolest thing ever. My friends were like, you're so lucky. And it really just went on from there. There is a drink for every situation, for every event, for every day, for every minute. There's something acceptable, whether it's a Bloody Mary in the morning for breakfast, champagne at a wedding. It's everywhere. And when you like drinking like I did, why wouldn't you? It. Right. it just happened and I was drinking pretty much every day I mean I could go for days without drinking but I would have to say right Kate don't have a drink today it wasn't like I thought I don't want one I just thought no don't have one and that was fine and I never actually did day drinking but even still it'd be odd for me not to have a drink in the evening and it just carried on I had kids I didn't at all when I was pregnant and that was easy because actually it made me feel really sick the smell of alcohol which was a godsend really mm. um but then as soon as I stopped breastfeeding and I got to like they were three months or whatever I started again picked straight back up then you had the whole mummy culture oh god isn't it hard with kids and it wasn't actually I didn't find it my kids slept really well it was easy bringing up little kids for me I, I loved it but still, it was a reason you get together with other mums and it's break the mundane day in, day out, the same things. And we would drink. And it's just, it's actually difficult to find a situation that doesn't involve alcohol. And now that I don't drink, it is so noticeable. 
to actually go out to a place and do anything, even as a mother of a young child, that doesn't involve alcohol is hard. And that is bonkers. That's just crazy, isn't it? So it just happened. And I was just getting more and more fed up. You know, I, as I said on that reel, I was drinking a bottle of wine Monday to Thursday because quite frankly, a bottle of wine is three glasses. If I open a bottle of wine at dinner at seven, by 11 o'clock, I've had a, a glass of an hour. That's not heavy drinking in my book. But then it turned out to be 10 bottles a week because I drink more on the weekends. And that is, that reality, that's huge. That's, that's a lot of alcohol. But that was not even getting me drunk. That was just me drinking it as part of my daily routine. And that's when I said, look, this is bad. This is not good for me, my body, my mind. And I was starting to get really emotional. So in the evenings, I'd get... I'd have arguments with my husband or I'd feel, I think what was happening was I was feeling disappointed in myself and it was coming out as anger or sadness or paranoia, whatever it was. I clearly wasn't happy because how can you be happy when you wake up every day ashamed of yourself? You can't. Uh. So I was being like that. And then on the 20th of December last year, I actually started crying I was on my own watching something on Netflix drinking my second bottle of wine and I just got really upset so I, I videoed myself for about 10 minutes talking into my phone and I thought watch this watch this tomorrow and it was the best thing I did because I haven't had a drink since it I have that video and it's really hard to watch and I've shared a few clips of it not of me speaking, I've had music over it, but you can see that I'm physically really upset and I am not yes. a crier, I don't cry a lot. And I just needed to remember that person because you forget, I forget a lot when I was drinking and I knew I'd forget that and by seven o'clock the next night I'd want to drink and I said no. You know, I had enough wits about me at that point in the evening to think, just film yourself. And this is a reminder of what it's really like to drink. It is not this kind of you know, lovely, I'm sitting out here with a beautiful drink, life is great, it makes me happier, and then I stop. It's not how it is. And now I have the proof of that coming from my own mouth to remind me every time I'm tempted. I've forgotten the question now. No, that's okay. You can keep talking as far as I'm concerned, because I'm interested in listening. I know that the audience is going to be interested to continue hearing you talk about coming out of that because what a wonderful gift that you gave yourself to have the presence of mind in that moment and I've seen that one of the reels that you're talking about and you can see it in your face it's yeah. like there's just anguish there and I and, can't breathe I'm kind of going <gasps> yeah I mean I'm really upset I'm really upset and I'm saying I don't want this it's almost yeah. like a split personality I'm begging my sober self not to put me through this again I'm saying I don't want to be this person again I, I can't be I'm not happy and it is freaky because it is like I'm begging myself tomorrow don't bring this person back I don't like interesting it. you know I've never really thought about it like that until I just said it but it, it is like that it's like two people and I often said drinking you know when you get you must have done this when you've gone out and the next day you can't remember everything but you know you've done something to offend someone and they're angry and they want an explanation and you're like it's not me I, I'm a nice person I would never do anything to hurt you it wasn't me who did that who said that and they're kind of going 
explain yourself what have you done and you're like I, I have no explanation because I don't know why I didn't mean it well you did mean it because alcohol is a truth serum you're like it isn't actually I've got so much going through my head whatever memory alcohol wants to pull out and exasperate that day that's what came out and I have no idea what it is I don't remember anything because my memory went was awful but then you have to apologize and I felt like a fake because I didn't know what I was apologizing for even if Uh. they told me I was like I but I it doesn't feel like me it feels like there's two people and that person did it but they're not going to take that as an answer because it it was me and it's almost like that person was saying to me please Kate please please don't bring me back I don't want this anymore and so now I can listen so I, I really do think if you're like me and that's happens to you try filming yourself when you're really drunk or really emotional go somewhere on your own and and give yourself a message record yourself a message and just say how you feel be completely honest no one else has to see it you don't have to be like me and share these things you can just keep it for yourself but actually it made a big difference because I saw what other people saw I saw that person that I Mm. never ever got to see that people told me about uh, and that's made all the difference, really. Wow. And there's it makes me think of this show that's on Apple TV that my wife and I have been watching called Severance, where, oh, yeah, you know, like you you go to work and you go down the elevator and yeah. ding, and then you don't remember who you are there. Well, it is the- actually very similar, isn't it? I'd uh, get dressed up and go out. and i it, I always say it was Russian roulette with me because, I've been out before and I've had two bottles of wine out for dinner with friends, and I've walked home with them. And they're slurring and they're like, Kate, you seem completely sober. And I'm like, I feel sober. I mean, I could go for a park run or whatever, I, you know, anything. And I felt completely sober. But then I could have three glasses of wine one evening and it would just send me loopy. And I don't know if that's to do with hormones or what, but it was Russian roulette. As soon as I had a drink, I didn't know which version of me I was going to end up as that evening and that is scary and it's dangerous and it's unpredictable it's horrible for the people around you I mean I feel like I need to write letters to all of my ex-boyfriends just saying I'm so sorry (laughs) how did you even stay with me for as long as you did because I must have been a nightmare um but it's it's not us alcohol is a drug and while we do have to take responsibility for the things we do because who else is we chose to put that in our mouths and ingest it so therefore we are responsible for the things we do but on the other hand it is a drug and it's an addictive drug and I feel really sorry for people who have to deal with the stuff that they did when they were drunk when it's totally not who they are and it's mortifying embarrassing shameful and I get that and I don't you know I there's no answer because you do have to take responsibility, but it's horrible having to do that. And, and actually, I think that's a lot of reason people eventually give up because they get so fed up with making a fool of themselves or ruining good friendships or relationships. And it's kind of like, that's not what I wanted. It was because I was angry about something that happened a year ago and someone emailed me that day and I got angry and I took it out on this person I didn't mean to. And it's it's horrible what alcohol does to people it really is. And it's, you can't control it. Some people can, but I couldn't. And I wasn't a nightmare. You know, I have had loads of fun in my life and alcohol has been a part of that. And I have, I would say the bad times were probably one in every 30, if that. 
So there was lots of, I wasn't a nightmare all the time, but it happens and you have to deal with it. And it's like, God, I'm in my forties now. Do I really want to be doing this? It's kind of, yeah, it's exhausting, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I don't know about you. I yeah. don't know. History, I, but I, Russian roulette is such an interesting analogy. It's such a, an intriguing image because I don't know that I've ever heard someone describe their you know, we talk about tolerance, but it's, well, if I've had this to eat, then I'm going to be like this. Or if it's this time of day in this context, and I'm drinking beer versus liquor or whatever. Did that work for you? Did you keep track of it and it was accurate? I, I mean, I think for the most part, it was, I kind of had a sense of what um, in season two, episode one, my guest Katie Mack talked about as an addict, she was a former heroin addict, and she actually transitioned to alcohol as a way to transition her body out of heroin. And she yeah. talked about, it's always about as an addict, it was always about the dose, always seeking the perfect dose for the situation. So if she was going to work, then how much could she have and still stay yeah. it wasn't obvious that she was drinking yeah. and how much more because we just went yesterday for our son's birthday we went out to a local science place and there's beer there we haven't been there in a couple of years since before covid and there's like a bar you could go get coffee but you could get a beer and it was like noon well, there's and, alcohol at school christmas plays now and stuff yeah I mean, so if it's russian roulette for you and, and you have the opportunity to drink for for work for free or you're going to a social event with your kids and there's then you could end up drunk without even really intending to be like and for me I drank so quickly that I never knew my husband always says to me your eyes gave it away they would just switch and you Uh, knew you'd gone you'd gone to that place and there was no way back but because I drank so quickly if I felt that tingly feeling which meant or actually I probably had too much uh, it was too late because I'd already uh, had another glass of wine that was making its way into my bloodstream. Uh, and also when you're drinking and someone says, slow down, there's nothing more annoying, is there? Makes oh, you want to yeah. drink quicker, like <laughs> bring me the shots because fuck you, I'm allowed right? to say that. Yes. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> don't tell me what to do. God, that's right. just going to make me do it more. So, but it was Russian roulette because I was doing it to myself. I was taking a gamble. I didn't have any control over it. And I had to deal with the consequences. So that's why I use that analogy. It's, it, it was like that. I didn't know. And it was taking a gamble. And it was saying, I like drinking so much that I will put myself at risk. And I did put myself at risk. You know, I got hit by a car once when I left the Groucho Club in London, which is like a really cool members club in London and, and loads of famous people go there. And I've managed to sneak in because my dad was a founder member and I said I was meeting him and then like snuck my friends in. And I came out and um, someone stole my bag. So they grabbed it. And without thinking, I just lurched after them right in front of a car. And I ended up in hospital. Luckily, the doctor said, you're so drunk that you didn't get, um, you didn't break anything because you were so relaxed. You literally just got hit and rolled uh, instead of breaking both your legs and your arms. But, you know, things like that happened to me. And that was all because I went out for a fun night with some friends. I was really excited about going out. We had a great time. And then I ended up in hospital. I could have died, but it's not uh, an exaggeration to say that I put myself at huge risk. I've ended up in a kind of heroin den in Tottenham because I decided 
this girl I met in the pub who had met, you know, was my new best friend and I traveled with her on the tube and we ended up and then I sort of realized where I was at 2 a.m. And I've never done drugs. I'm a drinker through and through. And um, I was always worried I'd die if I took drugs because I knew how I was with alcohol. But I was in this place and it was really scary, really scary, like the scariest place I've ever been. Really dangerous people in this den of um, drug dealers and criminals in Tottenham, which was really rough back then. And it was two o'clock in the morning and I had to find my way and try and find a taxi on my own, wandering around these gangs on the street. It was terrifying. Wow. And I'm just really lucky that nothing bad happened to me that night. But again, I mean, you think about, you say about kids, if I think about my daughter being in that situation, it makes me feel like I'm going to throw up. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the worry. Other people also know these things happen to me and they also know what I'm like. So they must have just been terrified. I went to a, a knitting group once. Someone said to me, Kate, please come to this knitting club. And I said, I don't knit. I've just really got no interest in this at all. And she said, I don't know anyone. Please come. So I went along and you fast forward to that evening and I'm locked up in a police cell. I mean, oh, wow. who goes to a knitting club in a town <laughs> hall and ends up getting arrested for drunken disorderly. Wow. You know, my friend was throwing up in the gutter. The policeman came along. I told him to fuck off, leave me alone. I'm trying to find out where she lives. He arrested me, left her there. So she's in danger because she couldn't speak. Wow. And then my husband's at home. I didn't have a mobile and he doesn't know where I am. And I turn up at five o'clock in the morning, two little kids in bed. And he's like, where have you been? I've been so worried. And I'm like, I wasn't locked up. I mean, that's not cool, is it? Who wants to be married to someone like that? That was me. And I was someone who was had everything going for her, friends, you know, a good career, everything was going well on the outside, but that was happening. And it's just, it's sad. So let's transition to, from the depths of a heroin den in Tottenham and a knitting club, resulting in an arrest to how did you get to the point where you love your life without the booze? Because it seems like there are all these things that happen that I'm like, why did I not just stop? Because I knew that what I'm doing doesn't make sense. I knew that what I was doing was making things worse and increasing risk and putting everything that I worked so hard for on the line, just for this little window of feeling good when the rest of the time I feel like crap and the people around me, you know, it stresses them out. What was it about that night of December 20th, 2021? Do you think, was there something different about it or was it just something that happened where you said enough yeah. is enough? I need to remember this. Nothing happened. I mean, I had tried to go alcohol to go sober the year before and I did two months and then one sunny day I just said I want to drink and I opened a bottle of wine oh, and it took me straight back to where I was and I did six months of the same level of drinking uh, immediately it was within a week I was back already so moderation for me forget it it just doesn't work so I'd been toy in the back of my mind I'd known you know what I said earlier about my kids and my health and being ashamed all the time I kept saying to myself every morning, my first thought is, you know, sometimes you wake up and you think, oh, did I get changed into my pajamas or am I still in my clothes quickly get changed? I'll look at my phone. 
did I have an argument? And I just thought every morning I seemed to be working like through these things in my head. How can anyone be happy if that's how they wake up every morning? And mm. so it was a seed that was growing and I knew and it had toned down a lot from the days of the Tottenham Heroin Den and the Groucho Club car accident and the sewing arrest, as they will now be known. I just had to do it. I had to have the guts because it's hard to leave alcohol when you've been drinking for over 20 years and you love drinking. It's yeah. hard to stop. It's also addictive. I mean, I was lucky in that I wasn't physically addicted I drank because I liked to drink and I like to drink a lot and I like to get tipsy or drunk so when I stopped I didn't have awful withdrawal symptoms and because I didn't drink during the day I think it was easier some people it's hell for a week or two I know that and I was quite lucky and the second time around I just thought I'm actually angry I'm pissed off with the way society has pushed this on me and it's available everywhere. I'm told if I want to have fun and be cool, that alcohol is involved. It's hard to find places, as I said before, where you don't drink. In which case, I, I feel like I've been used to line the pockets of someone up there who knows what alcohol does. And that anger that I woke up with on the 21st, when I watched myself and I thought, I actually feel sorry for you. I'm not ashamed. I feel sorry for you. And I'm actually angry. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely the defining thing that made the difference. My anger. Ah. It's, the first time I tried it, I felt like something had been taken away from me that I loved. I wasn't allowed to do something because I couldn't handle it. Everyone else could. I wanted alcohol, but I couldn't have any. This time, I was really angry with how much this liquid had taken from me how many times I've had to say sorry how many times I've been drowsy or not been there for my kids in the morning because I was hung over and that difference and that fire in my belly saying you are having no more of me mm. forget it I'm not giving you my money anymore I'm not letting you take it you have no control over me how dare you I am in control over me and it was that switch and I haven't changed at all. That mentality has stuck and I haven't had a sip. And I've had times when I've really wanted to have a drink, I'd say three or four times in the last six, seven months. But apart from that, even if I feel like it would be nice, I know it won't last more than an hour. And life has just become so much better for me. I'm still angry, if not more angry, actually, because I now see it for what it is. I see it when it's back to school and I go to get pencil cases for kids and I see back to school signs with alcohol under them wow. oh, that hilarious no yeah. it's not Valentine's Day Father's Day Mother's Day Christmas you know everything all the cards themed alcohol alcohol is everywhere and it makes me so angry it's like I didn't have a bloody chance with the amount of this around me now if it was something you know all drugs even if they're legal, they're drugs and there are dangers associated with them. But alcohol is the only one that people show off about wanting and needing. So women are men as well. But for me, I notice the women because I relate to people who are my kind of my age and in my kind of lifestyle. The showing off about it's wine o'clock and 
I need my wine. And on Instagram, you know, I wasn't really on Instagram. And I've set this account up since I stopped drinking. And it's amazing how much I'm seeing now of, of women climbing into wine glasses and going, oh, it's Friday. This is what mummy needs. And you just think, why is that funny? If I took painkillers, I wouldn't go on a public um, social media. I wouldn't say, oh, I've had 40 painkillers today. Woo-hoo! You don't do it. You don't do it about any other drug. It is just alcohol that has been made to look cool. It is killing millions of people a year. What is funny about that? What is funny about showing off, about wanting and needing a drug publicly? Since when did it become this thing that, that we were saying, oh, that's all right. It, it is dangerous. Yes, it does kill millions of people, ruin millions of people's lives. It's a horrible, addictive substance that does not add anything to your life. Yet, let's push it as the fun drug and the one that people can show off about having and we'll all laugh and print T-shirts about it. I yeah. can't get my head around that now. Well, I'll be at Walmart, which is, you know, just great metaphor for all of American culture. <laughs> and I'll go in and see these things. It's wine. It's wine. This is a happy home because we drink Prosecco. Or there's exactly. Prosecco chilling in the fridge. You know, and exactly. again, it's the same thing. Alcohol is everywhere. And I don't mind people drinking. I have had dinner parties in my own house where people are drinking at my table. It doesn't bother me and it doesn't tempt me either, which is lucky. Someone I think I posted recently, someone said, try not to judge other people. I said, I don't judge other people. And I haven't, and I never would. And I know that because that's just not the kind of person I am. But what I am doing is saying, this isn't right. Why is nobody seeing this? Why didn't I see this before? And when I was drinking, I actually didn't have any of those things. I didn't buy alcohol-related cards. I didn't show off about drinking the amount because I knew it wasn't good. Um, Yes, I've had photos of me drinking out and about, but I didn't specifically say isn't it hilarious and I wonder how many of the people who are showing off and making comments about how excited they are that it's time for wine actually have a problem because if you're genuinely that excited about wine you probably do have a problem with it because yeah people who drink wine in a very moderate way and it doesn't affect them don't show off about it because it's not a huge part of their life it's something they do occasionally and responsibly, and that's the end of the story. So to make it such a huge part and to make a point of it being such a huge part of your life, for me, that's a massive red flag. And yeah. I feel worried about the person saying it, that everyone else is laughing. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting there going, I hope you're okay. If you want to talk, you know, I'm here um maybe you should try and quit or you know if you want to I would say that I don't send messages saying that I I feel that I feel worried about them and scared for them and are they okay whereas they think it's hilarious And, and that's something that I think needs to change I can't believe the laws are not restricting the advertising I don't want to see another naked woman in a martini glass kicking her legs up saying <laughs> right. it's Sunday afternoon at the beach I don't want to say that should not be allowed that's right. not realistic unless like smoking packages you then have a picture of someone who's passed out in the park who's lost their keys and wallet and it doesn't know where they are next to it that's the yeah. reality I'm sorry yeah. you know it's it is it 
And so how it, I think it's fascinating that the anger is what propelled you out of the drinking and into this place where your Instagram bio is you've named yourself loving the sober life. So yeah. tell me about what this past seven months has been like the love that you found for life. You know, we talked about your daughter at the beginning of the episode, but what are some of the other ways that you've been just loving uh, this life without the alcohol ever since December 20th of last year? Well, I think if you take a person who's not proud of themselves, but who's a capable person who's got a lot going for them, and you then take all of that self-doubt and self-hatred away and you put pride, you cover them in a blanket of pride and self-confidence, that's what's happened. It affects me in every conversation I have with my work, my confidence in doing that. My brain is remembering everything that happens. I'm much more focused. I've lost a stone, which is what, 14 pounds, without doing anything, just stopping drinking and eating healthier. And I'm everything I say, I will back up. Whereas before, I'd constantly be going, what did I say? And I'm, I'm never really confident in myself, but I am now. And actually, if I have something to say, I will say it. And you can come back and I'll be exactly the same person with the same point because I'm consistent and I'm confident and it's made me confident in every aspect of my life. And that is in my social life, in my private life with my kids as a mom, as a friend, as a wife and as a colleague. And I cannot underestimate, that's not the right word, but I can't, I, I cannot put into words the difference. You know, socializing has been difficult because people don't like having someone who's not drinking going out with them. and that's fair enough. I can't argue with it. And I don't really like being out with drunk people. I find it so boring and repetitive. And, and also you kind of think, oh, well, I, I'm not in the same, I'm not in the same place as you. So I will yeah. leave early and people aren't inviting me out as much because I don't drink, but actually I don't want to go out. I'm going to bed much earlier. I'm much healthier. I'm spending more time reading and apart from the sort of boredom in the early months, which I still have a bit, I still need to fill some gaps. But yeah. I think for this first year, I just need to concentrate on leveling out and finding out who I am. Because my whole adult life, I've had alcohol in my system. So I need to find out when I go up and when I go down naturally and how I respond to things. And once I do that, I will up my kind of hobby level and I'll do stuff. But Instagram has been amazing. I, I didn't know anything about Instagram and you say, oh, your reels are great. I hadn't done a reel, you know, four months ago ever. And I just muck about, I, I just use my phone and muck about, but I'm honest. And I think if you're honest with yourself, which I am, things open up, people make comments and the community, I feel like I've got <clears throat> real friends yeah. that I have met on Instagram and I never thought that was possible. Agreed. I mean, I was like, yeah, right. And it's like, no, actually, these are some of my, these are people I tell stuff that I don't talk about openly with my real life friends because these people get it. The support is phenomenal. And I joined something called Soberistas when I started and did a hundred day challenge and you get put into groups. And I got given a group of people who also did the hundred days and a few of them have become really close friends. And 
that's that's been sort of paramount in my in my journey without that I wouldn't have done it it feels like I've got a bubble of support like a little army behind me going you can do this and when anyone comes near we're here leave her out of it and I think when you realize that you've been living with a sort of sense of of doubt about yourself and not feeling proud of yourself when that goes life seems incredible because you don't worry about things you don't feel guilty about things and it's just like this is amazing what is this and going on holiday without drinking I was worried about it but it was kind of like I can make decisions to do whatever I want whenever I want because I'm not thinking is there a bar there so the kids can do that while I can have a drink I have to drive home I can't do that because I don't want suddenly it's like what do you want to do you can do whatever you want and Mm. you really can and that is it's just I feel like I've been given a whole new life um with better kind of odds basically and it's it's just Mm. wonderful well so glad you said something about uh Soberistas, that's cool. And that they put you into small groups. And that's been something that's been critical for me in my very beginning first month. I use an app called Reframe, which I plug on every single episode because it's been fabulous. And that's where I've met a lot of people and they kept sharing their Instagram handles and saying, let's connect. And so finally, I just created some Instagram chat groups to connect with people outside of the usual daily Zoom calls. And those little incubators of relationships have become some of my closest friends, like you said, and I need to plug, I'm starting that on Facebook too. There's a secret squirrel Facebook group for I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye audience members. And all you have to do is message me on Facebook. I'm just Dana Kroll, D-A-N-A-K-R-U-L-L. You can look me up and shoot me a message and I'll add you to this group so that you can connect with other people who are listening to the show. And you're going to find out that there are a lot of people out there who are experiencing things that are just like what you're experiencing. It's not just the guests on podcasts like this one. It's actually loads and loads of people out there who want to connect with you and develop relationships with you. Not on Facebook, but I'm glad you've mentioned it because a lot of people are and it's it's yes. so important to have your tribe or your community, whatever you want to call them. And that they are the sober people are just the most amazing people. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, because who they've, knew? Got, they've got backstory. They've got through something. You know, they're bloody fierce. They are incredible. I mean, that's why things like this are interesting because everyone's got a story and they're all different. Yeah. There are no two that are the same. And it's so interesting listening to things like this. I love listening to podcasts because you just think, wow. And you don't relate to everyone and you don't relate to everything that anyone says, but you relate to snippets here and there. And that's why it's so interesting. And and people are just so generous with their time. And and I absolutely love it. And I I really hope this is it for me. And I can start to help other people. Now that I've done over half a year, I feel... And there's a couple of people who message me in the mornings just to say I've got another day who are in the very early days of sobriety. And that's great. I, I just it's just a quick message. And it's like, how's it doing? You know, 
And it's things like that. I love to do that. It makes me so happy when someone says they're going to stop drinking because I know what is in store for them. And I'm like, you have no idea. Life is going to get so good. It is brilliant. It genuinely fills me with happiness. So yeah. I still do my day job, but um, I am trying to do as much as I can for the sober community. Well, you've done a lot for me and for the 3,000 or so people that are following you there on Instagram. And I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy life as a wife, a mom, and a writer. And I know you've got to go here shortly to get your kids. What is the one thing that you would say if you had 30 seconds left in your life to say whatever you needed to say to people out there, what would you say? I would say that a ship is safe in harbor, but that is not what ships were built for. Ah, so step out one. of your comfort zone, go and try. The harbor isn't going anywhere. You can redock, but don't just sit there worrying because you've got sails and you've got the whole of the open sea, go out and see what's waiting for you because you can always come back. What a brilliant quote to end on. Kate Taylor, thank you so much. And we look oh, forward to you. seeing, continuing to see your reels and other posts on Instagram. If you'd like to connect with Kate, she is at walking the straight line on Instagram, or you can just look her up by her bio name, which is loving the sober life. And it should pull it up for you. You can also connect with me at I kissed alcohol goodbye. And again, if you would like to be connected with a small group, please, please message me on Facebook, Dana crawl, and I will get you plugged in with some other I kissed alcohol goodbye audience members. So that's it for this episode of this little podcast. Kate and I hope that you'll love your sober life this week a little bit more. And again, please reach out to us if there's anything that we can do to support you in your sobriety. Our next episode will take us to Canada where I'll be interviewing a sober hunk named Adam Carroll. This guy is jacked and I'm going to need to take some tips from him on how to get bulked up. Uh, but he has a pretty, Kate talked about turning up in a heroin den in Tottenham. Uh, well, this guy was in organized crime where he was actually like kidnapped and tortured and all kinds of crazy things and it, before the age of 21. And he ended up getting sober after his the day after his 21st birthday. Once again, Al K. Hallfrey and I want to thank you for tuning in with us and thank Kate from the UK. And we'll close by saying, as we always do, we'll send you our best sober vibes. Until next time, Al and I say goodbye, alcohol. Mwah! And hello, life. <laughs> Much love and peace.